All right. Happy Tuesday. It is Tuesday today, and we are back with another episode of Learning Tech Talks, where we are continually exploring the landscape of learning tech while cutting through the fluff. And today I'm joined by Alexander Salas, and you are from StyleLearn, you're from eLearning Launch, you've got all sorts of cool stuff going on, and we're talking about all things e-learning. So this will be a fun conversation. I, I, I think I pronounced your name correctly, didn't I? Mm, no. No? Okay. <laughs> okay, okay. Salas. Salas, okay. But I like it. I, I like it. It gives it a little French, you know. A little French. Je m'appelle Alexandre Salas. Salas, yes, right? Yeah, that, that's, what I, that's what I was doing, actually. There you go. There you go. Intentional. No. You're, you're I saw your facial expression. I was like, I feel like this has gone horribly wrong, and we're just <laughs> in the introduction. So thankfully, we know each other, and we, we've, we've got a good, good relationship going, oh, so we course, should be fine. Of course. <laughs> but course. if you're just joining us live now, <laughs> if you're joining us live, yeah. go ahead. Give us a thumbs up. Share the post, tagging somebody who would benefit from our conversation while we get started. And while you are at it, come in and let us know where you're joining from. It is a lovely day here in Waukesha, Wisconsin, western suburb of Milwaukee that you'd never heard about. Mm -hmm. Alexander, where are you coming from? Hey, beautiful, sunny Orlando, Florida, the Orlando. home of COVID. No, that's <laughs> home of COVID. I mean, uh, we're rocking it. You know, we're like not in the right way, but we, it we're is. Out there. It's getting better. <laughs> yeah. It's getting better. Okay. All right. So, are you you at home there? Yeah, I'm home here in Orlando. Uh, you know, I was lucky enough. Uh, I was one of those folks that uh, was always e-learning base, digital base from a long time ago. So, yeah. you know, I, I was able to pivot uh, quickly. But right now, we're just helping people, right? Yep. Helping anybody we can that uh, needs to pivot. So, well, and and I don't know about you, but I've I've been saying I've been preparing for this whole moment my entire career. So for me, not a whole lot has changed. Um, so yeah, I'm when you're in the digital space, it's it's a little bit easier to adjust. Yeah, same feeling, same feeling. Okay, so before we get into the whole conversation related to all things e-learning, right. uh, question of the show that has nothing to do with e-learning learning tech or anything is what does your favorite breakfast look like and why so if you could have anything it doesn't have to be a single breakfast item okay this can be an entire spread if you'd like it to be <laughs> what would it be yeah i'm uh <clears throat> are you a breakfast person i guess that's the first oh, question oh yeah Okay. Yeah. All right. I mean, I don't do it as much for health reasons now, but because uh, of the whole IF thing, but, you know, intermittent fasting, but no, no, no. If he, I love breakfast. Breakfast is one of those things that, you know, since I was a kid, uh, it's, it's, it's obvious that I like <laughs> <laughs> But I will say, um, you know, my break, my go-to breakfast. So I was born in Venezuela. There's a, there's a little thing called arepa. That yeah. is like a bread substitute. It's based out of corn, corn uh, maize, and uh, and so pre-cooked corn. You set it up, and it kind of looks like a like a big tortilla, but it's not a tortilla. It's a big yeah. one that you can cut and fill into it. So uh, that with butter and some fried eggs, bacon, <laughs> some steak. Uh, hey, you said spread, man. I'm bringing I it. I did. I gave you free reign to answer it how you wanted. <laughs> and therefore, that's why we look so good. <laughs> so, 
Okay. So yeah. So um, that that's definitely the go-to uh, fried eggs with some arepa, some butter, some nice cheese, okay. steak, bacon. Yeah. <laughs> all, all the good things. Sounds sounds. Coffee, of course. Sounds, coffee. Yeah. Okay. Coffee. You cannot forget coffee. Yeah. No, that would. And, be and I'm not talking just any coffee. I'm talking like Cuban coffee. You know. Okay. Just all kind right. of. Uh, okay. Get way to cocaine, basically. <laughs> All right. I know if you know the story, it's a little cup. With, I gotta give some background here. Okay. It's a little cup full of sugar in Miami. You, it's called colada, coladita. So, <laughs> okay. If you ever try that, you you'll know that you'll be a diabetic soon. Then yeah. So so once once you have one, you don't go back. Like, okay. <laughs> you don't go back. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Well, you have a, everybody's commenting and saying like, please stop. I'm getting hungry. And you have a lot of fans of your, your breakfast spread. <laughs> All right. So for me, right. I'm, I'm a breakfast person. Like that is one of the, the things I love breakfast food. Um, I don't know that I'm, I'm terrible at favorites. So if it was like, what's your favorite See, And then I ask it. So this was a terrible question, even on my behalf, but I'm like you, like, I love eating the type of breakfast that you end up finishing and going, I probably didn't need to eat all that, but it was so worth it in the moment. For yeah. me though, I would probably go with, I love eggs. I eat so many eggs. We go through, my wife actually commented on this the other day. We go through like a hundred and something eggs a week. Now granted, I have a bunch of kids, but we also eat a ton of eggs. So eggs, pancakes, right? Bacon, that whole thing. Glass of orange juice, cup of coffee. Mine's not as specific. I have very simple tastes. Although based on your description of your dream breakfast, I think I would enjoy eating breakfast with you, Alexander. I think I would very much enjoy breakfast with you. So if when this when this whole thing ever calms everybody's hungry now, <laughs> probably not a bad. They're all gonna like leave the show to go to go grab something to eat. Close to lunch. So it's yeah. fine. It's fine. We recorded everybody. <laughs> Anyway, well, now that I'm also hungry and, uh, you know, we've got some time left to sit and chat, let's let's jump into it, because um, what we're talking about today is one e-learning and, and all things related to that. But before we get into it, tell me a little bit about your background, you know, how you got into it, because you have a bit of a rep in the industry as as an e-learning person. But what was that journey like for you? Ooh, man, it was a it was a very exciting journey. At least for me, it was a very exciting journey because I started, I read, you know, like most people, you fall into it by accident. You fall into different things by accident. People do. Yep. But mine was sort of a calculated accident in a way. So I said the, the accident happened way early, where it was the fact that I found out that there was a career like, oh, you could be a like a teacher, but do it in a company. Oh, that's great. <laughs> you know, so from there, I, I pursue the degrees and stuff like that. So by the time I came into my first job, I already had a master's degree, right? Yeah. So a different, uh, different perspective in a way. But the interesting piece was that I started, my first job was sort of a learning facilitator. And okay. really, I was a PowerPoint assassin. That's what it was. So I'm going to... Not gonna lie about it. Not gonna be like you know your regular thought leader here who never made a mistake. <laughs> you know, hey, right. The thing is, when we don't acknowledge that stuff, we're yeah. we're, we're lying, right? We've all yeah. been there. I mean, I remember. I still, I think I have my first e-learning on a three and a half inch floppy or something. So yeah, <laughs> it wasn't pretty. Yeah. So I was at. This is back in what oh seven oh six, and I was a PowerPoint killer. But okay. 
I always had nice, a little bit of an intuition to make things either fun or creative or show some, you know, sparkle a little bit of that in between. It wasn't just like, you know, a bunch of bullet points and, and text. So there was always imagery and things like that, but I had no idea like what was design and none of that, like, you know, graphic principles or anything like that. So I started doing that and, um, and then I realized, okay, what I'm doing, it's not the best thing I can do for, for learners because I'm just doing it at this moment, at this time, then what do they do after they leave? Yeah. How they can, you know, find resources. And so, and this was when you were facilitating, right? So yeah, were, yeah, this were, is way back, right? You this were a classroom back. junkie. <laughs> That's right. That's what it was. ILT, yeah, ILT dope. <laughs> ILT, uh, ILT junkie. So I was, uh, it started sort of in, in the idea of supporting learners after that. So how can I support learners? Then I was, hey, that web technologies is the way you support learners, right? Everything is on the web. Anybody has an intranet. Uh, the companies have intranet. We can supply like an internal page will be resources. So it started that way. And I started learning HTML and CSS on my own terms because the companies I work for didn't say, oh, you know what, you should go learn this. So that's how I started. And then obviously I landed in Captivate, right? That was the first thing. That was I your first e-learning development tool. Learning, yeah. And you went, oh my word, what is this? Captivate, Captivate goes back, you know. Uh, oh, a long years. time. A long time. Long, long time. Ago close to 20 or more. So, so I, uh, I studied you, well, you know, 15 or so I started using it. I think it was Captivate three or something. And okay, so, so it was after Robo demo because Robo demo. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So after Robo demo, I think it was Captivate three or so. And, uh, and I convinced I was working for the CDC at the time and I was working with a bunch of scientists and stuff like that. And I was like, you know, uh, Somehow, I don't know how I did it, but I convinced, uh, well, I had good leadership, but I convinced them to buy the Adobe Learning Suite, which had Flash, it had Captivate, all of that sound booth back in the day, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that they could actually talk back to each other. They had the, you know, all that good stuff back then. So when I, you know, th that makes just the process easier. But if you think about it, you're still developing a website type yep. of element. So that's where, you know, that's where the love started. And I started working with Captivate, got really good at Captivate. And then I found uh, Storyline. Actually, by needing a job, I found Storyline okay. in 2013, 2012. Okay. So. Yeah, because Storyline didn't come out. There was there was Articulate Studio for, right? Studio One was out for a while. And then they came out with Storyline. I remember that was like, it was so exciting. I remember when Storyline came out; it was a big deal because it, it was a competitor. It was a big competitor with Captivate. So you start. What's funny is um, my journey was was actually pretty similar, right? I was a I was a teacher and then decided like ah, this isn't for me. And then you learned, hey, I can teach in a different way. And you did the facilitation thing, and then I found my way into e learning. Um, similarly, I was doing software stuff, and I'm like, we just keep teaching people software, and we show up. And then we leave and they have literally nothing left. And so mine was a combination of basic job aids and demos in Captivate, right? You learned how to basically create software sims, which by the way, is not the most efficient and maintainable thing in software where software is changing all the time, but it worked, right? It did the job at the time. Okay. Yeah. So that thing, what? Go ahead. I have an interesting anecdote on that because yeah. you that thing of yeah we're doing stuff i had a job the same uh, thing you're talking about 
which is was a software trainer. Okay. I had to train people on specific software. It was called custom base. And so the interesting piece is I see this in the same way you're thinking. I'm going, I'm traveling four days a week, you know, the travel <laughs> warrior thing, right? I'm traveling there four days. I go on a Sunday, train the people from Monday through Thursday, come back home every week or every other week, right? And then uh, hit me up in the comments, by the way, if you done if you're doing this or done that, because that's a very common thing. <laughs> so I uh, so I I do that and I keep going like you know what this will be it'll be a great enhancement for this. At that time, I already knew Captivate, so I was like, yeah. I created a little Captivate thing. I actually uh, grabbed uh, something else that was like a the automated uh, software agents out there, Sitepal. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of it. Yep, it's cool. That's the animated. Sometimes it's freaky because it's following the mouse movement. Yeah. So they're looking up like, uh. <laughs> but anyway, I incorporated that. I showed it to the CEO of the company, right? And the guy's like, oh, that's nice. That's nice. Keep keep that in, keep that in mind. And I was like, okay, yeah, but what do you think about this instead of like, or in, you know, helping us? I was like, why would I give up 1200 bucks a trip a day on you going and de delivering training? So came yeah. down to money basically <laughs> yeah. yeah well and and again it's it's interesting how some of these things unlock right because that was one of the ways i ended up setting up the e-learning team was um it was it was similar right i pitched a i actually created a little sim of the software it was a perfect replicate of what it looked like and you know i had the leadership go through it and they're like is this an actual is this like an environment i'm like no it's not it's a complete you know, separate thing. And, and it was like, what is this magic you created? <laughs> like, well, it's, it's called digital learning. Oh, so sorcerer. what, a, what do you bring into us? <laughs> right. What is this voodoo that, that you fire. <laughs> you're learning fire? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and, and it's been interesting to watch over the last oh, 20, like you said, 20 years, some things in the evolution that we've been on, some things that that haven't evolved quite so much. I think that, you know, the topic we talked about with e-learning is you, know, you see this a fair amount where it, in many cases it gets a bad rap, right? You know, people, oh, e-learning's the worst. It doesn't it doesn't do this or it doesn't do that or it's it's not the right tool for the job. And to me, my perspective has always been like e-learning's a it's a tool right? It, it's neither good nor bad. It's what you end up doing with it. But I'm curious, you know, where do you think some of that, like, <laughs> almost animosity comes? Sometimes you almost say, oh, it's e-learning, and there's a bit of a visceral reaction, sometimes from learners, sometimes from people in the field. Well, you know, I, I can attribute it to many different things. For one thing is democratization. <laughs> you know, we have democratized everything where people can use any tool, grab any tool and use. And that's great. That's a great thing because that's how, an easier way to get started. But the other part is that if we're talking about what, you know, usually you see on LinkedIn is that you have, you know, you have thought leaders that never done anything. They've never created a presentation in their lives. And they're just critics, like the the guys in the Muppet show. You know? uh, we talked about this. Yeah. <laughs> what, what are their names? Somebody who's watching, what are the two old guys that yeah. sit up in the balcony? I can I can mimic their laugh, but I can never remember their names. Yeah, they're going to be like, it's time to troll learning. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, and and it's, you know, the, the point about it, and, and we talked about this, is I think there's definitely, one of the things I'm most grateful for in my career is having had the opportunity, like you said, to have sat in every chair and done it, 
right? And, and it's not that you can't lead if you haven't done it, but there's something about truly understanding what goes into it and understanding the complexity behind it. Because to your point, it's easy to be a critic, you know, from, from an armchair and say, you know what, well, this is, this is how it should be, or this is how I would do it differently. But when you've actually been there and you know the pain that goes into it, I mean, I have a lot of empathy for, oh, Waldorf, thank you, Waldorf and Sattler, thank you. <laughs> I think that's Kareen or Boss, anyway, um, right? But it gives you a greater degree of empathy to understand what actually goes into some of this stuff and some of the some of the challenges that we face. I mean, it's it's not easy making e-learning. I think even with the democratization of the tech, it's not easy to no. just create a quality e-learning course. Is that is that a fair assessment? I mean, it's been a while since I've made one, but I've got to say, I I still play around with the tools, and it's not as easy as people think. Yeah, it's all it's all really like. Um, I mean, if we're going to think of analogies, it's almost like you know making a movie, right? Like you know, oh, make a movie, no problem. You got. Right. I've got a phone. I've got an iPhone. Go out. Put a nice mic up there. I write a little script, maybe, maybe not. Who cares? It's it's acting. So just grab three people that I know and go do a movie. That's a movie, right? Piece so of cake. <laughs> we are, we're all Steven Spielberg, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the key thing is like it's like thought thought leaders, right? Like you know, thought leading is not bad. It's just it's not the problem. There are right. some leaders that are not good. <laughs> so the same situation happens with anything else. Um, e-learning is specifically, if we're going to really get into the whole, if we're going to think about it from a more, uh, let's say, strategic perspective and, and, and professional perspective, you said is the tool. I agree with that too. It's really the delivery methodology, right? So it's right. delivering something for you. What is it that you're delivering? That depends on how well you are designing what you're doing. It could be the same with the, you know, people are mesmerized with a great lecture that is well delivered, right? <laughs> That's well presented. Yeah. And in the most cases, a lecture is not that. So, yeah. Well, that that's just it, right? I mean, e-learning gets a bad rep. There's lots of bad classroom training. There's lots of bad uh, video content. There's lots of bad stuff out, and you don't you don't blame the tool or the delivery mechanism. Um, you know, and I think the, the thing that you hit on and, and somebody, uh, Marsha brought this up, I'll, I'll address this one too. But, you know, one of the things is, as I've structured teams and organizations in the past, you know, I, I designed them around the operational supply chain of learning. And one of the things that I see that oftentimes the developers take a hard time is if that front end analysis of like, what are we trying to do? What are the core problems? How do we actually break that down? How are we actually going to architect this to actually solve the problem? If that just gets dumped in your lap and that's not done right. And it's a, we just need to make a thing. Here's some content and we've all seen it. Can you make it look pretty, right? Like when that's when what you're handed, I mean, so what I am curious, so what you're taking that, cause it happens all the time, right? It happens all the time where things are just dumped on that. And the thing is, I, I see it as to some degree, it's a reality of the space. Sometimes you're going to have to do that. I don't necessarily think there's always no value in what you talked about, right? The design, the style that you can make, even if what you're creating isn't necessarily going to do everything the expectations are there. But there is something to be said about making the experience palatable. Of course. Yeah. And so, you know, it's uh, we always talk about 
so you know aligning to the business needs and supporting the business needs right and the interesting part is that sometimes we get caught in this artist uh you know dilemma which is like oh you don't understand my art <laughs> you know, i can do this in a week <laughs> you know yeah. what i do is so special right so it's like yeah so you know sometimes you gotta understand if you're going to understand what the problem is what the actual business problem is and that business problem needs something in a week right they need something you need to provide that something then it doesn't mean that you can't come back and refine but you have to provide something to to stop the bleeding as they say right yep we're losing a lot of money this is having a problem blah blah blah. i.e you know starbucks shutting down stores right when the situation happened with starbucks so in in the same situation with e-learning or anything else again it's just a delivery method so the strategy behind it the linked analysis that you're talking about, that part is not easy. No. And that part is often is often watered down by a lot of people. Yes. We see that a lot on LinkedIn, which is like, oh no, you need to ask why and you need to ask this. And and then just picturing three business people coming to an instructional designer and probably thinking, do we really have to go to this person? Because all they're gonna do is start asking why and what are we trying to do? We already know what we're doing. We just need, you know, so you got to understand where you're at, what your environment is. Sometimes, sometimes people come to you and say, this just uh, has to get done. I just want training. Yeah. I just want training and training is not a solution. Great. But, you know, you have to play with your environment and what you have. Well, and I think the point you bring up, right, is it's this, I think it's one of the most challenging things of being in this field is there's a bit of a balancing act that we're always doing right going back to this artist dilemma right because we we know oftentimes what we need to do what the right thing to do is while at the same time there is this balance of sometimes we just need to right put a square in the board like and it's like i get that maybe that's not what we really want to do or it's not the best solution and sometimes we just have to for again balancing it now where i see it swing too far is when that's all you're doing, right? When it's just like, okay, now we've moved to order taker where every time someone comes and says we need training and we just go out and do it. And again, I think it's, it is this delicate balancing act because we're working in an environment where many people don't really understand what it is we do. I think, I think a lot of people don't really understand learning. And I think, you know, Marsha brought this up a little bit ago, the whole managing expectations and the review cycles, that is an art it's not a science and it's very easy to say, this is how you should do it. Ask these three questions, say yeah. these three things. Right. It, it doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't work that way. No, it's a, it's a whole thing. And also, you know, the, the gap that we have in, in the academic, from the academic practice to what employers need, right. And what's needed in the business. That's another huge thing that, you know, that, that you have to be very cognizant of because if you're just a lot of a lot of people in enterprise environments are just replicating academic models right. and that's not how business operates right so like a business is not looking at the research or it's not looking at theories or anything like that have you i don't know i never i've been 15 years never sat in a meeting where business managers are going so we're going to use druckers uh techni- <laughs> you haven't yeah oh, all the time we're going to use uh yeah so we're we're going to really use um this time we're not going with druckers this time we're going to use 
I don't know, agile. Yeah. So it's like um, there are trends and there are, there are trendy stuff that also happens in the business end. And I think sometimes we kind of emulate what they're doing. And, you know, what we do has so much science already documented. You know, there's so much stuff that you can be guided by that it's not often what you hear also in the circles. Yeah. So. Well, and I think, right, the the way, so I've had a number of people on my teams, right? They've, they've done their undergrad, they've done their grad school and things like that. And the coaching or the advice I give them is, right, know this stuff. It is so good to know it. It's good to have this knowledge in your head and to know that you're designing things around the cognitive sciences, around psychology. It's valuable to have that. Your stakeholders don't need to know that you know all that, right. right? They don't need to know that that's what you're basing it on because they don't know that stuff. And so you're speaking a foreign language, I think, you know, and I, and I've found over the years, absolutely build your plans, build your designs around the, the academics, things like that. But you don't need to lead with that because it actually can can also kind of going back to the managing stakeholders, it can lead to those eye rolls where it's like, I just asked you to do a thing and, and you're giving me a 15 minute thesis on on, you know, Kirkpatrick's levels of evaluation and Maslow's hierarchy of need. Like, I just asked you if you can help me solve this problem. Yeah, let, let, let me tell you about uh, Addy and um, exactly how it works. And so Sam. Yeah. Come what on, is, Addy's what? dead. Addy's dead. What are you talking about? Oh, Addy's dead. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you say Sam, do you mean Skinner's successful approximation model? Oh my gosh, let's not, mean- let's not get into this conversation <laughs> right now. I'll end up ending the live stream. <laughs> but so so let's let's talk about this from a right as people are moving into this, because I I I get asked a fair amount, I'm sure you do as well, from people who are are maybe looking to get into learning and development. They're maybe looking at taking a step in and they're saying, hey, I, I I'm not really sure where to start. Because I will say it's not the easiest thing to get to figure out your path in. You know, some people find that's why so many people kind of stumble into learning and development because they happen to be doing it and suddenly they go, oh wow. I didn't realize that this is a thing. So where where do you guide people to start? Well, um, you and know, the- people usually start with e-learning. I mean, like for me, I had a journey similar to yours where it was like I facilitated and then I've had kind of the digital move. Yeah. Yeah. And most of the accidental things, I would say the easiest way to start is to be a learning facilitator, to be a, a, a "Quote unquote trainer," because you know that's a bad word today. <laughs> so, so what is that? It's the being a learning facilitator is usually the easiest way to start because those learning facilitators get you usually end up creating your own content, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if you're talking about e-learning and specifically doing e-learning, then today is a different world. I mean, you don't have to; uh, you can just prepare yourself to be that, and you can create your own learning portfolio. And you can start creating pieces. Here's the issue. We talked about democratization before, right? Which is a great thing. Everybody can get a hold on the tools. You can get a free uh, free sample of, of any of the tools. Many of them have free trials. Go 30 or 60 days. And there's a ton of tutorials in YouTube, everywhere else. Um, you know, whatever you want to go to, there's just a bunch of stuff where you can go and do that. All it takes is your discipline to do that. But the main thing is you don't have to now go through that side step. It helps to have that side step because if you learn how to actually 
engage and deliver, then you can kind of close the gap between face-to-face and being asynchronous, you know? Yeah. You have a better idea, I think. But um, I would say to, to get started, you definitely want to, it, it depends really on your goal, right? So if you want to get a job, let's say work in an organization, then look at a job post and look what is being asked and pick the main thing that is being asked and what's more relevant in many areas. So usually yeah. when it comes to learning, you got three apps that a lot of people are, are chasing, right? Or they're using. In other words, the company is already using it. Right. Um, which is Captivate, Storeline, and, and maybe like maybe Lectora. Maybe Lectora. Hey. Might get a few, you know, iSpring Studios. I don't know. Yeah, okay. like iSpring Studios. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, let's, let's mention some more so we're not like, you know. Yeah, right. We're not very right. Elucidat, we can throw that out. Gomo. I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll just yeah, listen sponsor, Trust me. Um, Evolve, Elucidat. And if you go to my YouTube channel, Style Learn, you can grab there. I've done samples. I do these things where I just grab the tool and jump on it and for the first time or something and say, okay, let me see if I can figure it out. If I can figure it out, then it's probably worth taking a look at. <laughs> well, you know, what's interesting about it is I think, cause one of the things, at least for me, right. When I first was getting into e-learning, my biggest struggle was somebody had said, you really should learn e-learning tools. You should just go come up with something. And that did not work for me. Right. This idea, I, I remember just sitting there going like, okay, so if I'm going to create an e-learning what would I create? I had nothing. I had nothing. Now, granted, I wasn't as plugged into the articulate community, right? LinkedIn wasn't even a thing at the time. So I think there's so many more resources now available that can help people do that. But it is interesting, some of the things that when we think about, right, information architecture, and some of the principles of graphic design, Uh right? I think of crap or carp, depending on how you want to, you know, phrase it, right? Like those kinds of things that help you start to understand the way people consume things, the way you actually drive people through content. There are some, you know, web design. I have seen a lot of people who get started in web design because to your point earlier, you're basically creating a fancy web page is really what you're doing. The tool just democratize the process. Yeah, it's true. Uh, So, the key thing is like, uh, you know, you may know HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, and you may, or you may think, oh, well, based on this conversation, I'm just gonna go learn those, those, those languages, right? And that's gonna be great for you. The problem is that's not gonna make you good at any of the tools. <laughs> you know, you're not gonna be able to do anything. <laughs> that's true. It's a, it's a start, it could be a starting point, but it's certainly not the finishing point. Yeah, so it's more like a refinement thing you want to do because after you know those languages, then using the tools, you can do some pretty awesome stuff or you can enhance the capabilities of that of that tool with knowing those languages. But primarily, look, you have to understand the following. You can learn how to use a tool. Here's what, the, what I see the main issue and the, and the reason why I created the academy, right? Because when you have a choice to go learn a software, Usually what you end up looking at is someone that is an expert in the tool, has been doing it for 20 years, and now they want to make the mistake that all SMEs make, which is give you 20 years of experience in eight hours, right? So yeah. it's like you're going to learn everything about this. So if you look at the file menu, we got this, we got the about section. And the about section, you, you know, so you don't need to know any of that. My The whole approach that I'm trying to say is, look, what are you trying to do? Here, you're going to make something, right? And this something is going to be relevant to what you'll be doing in a job. Okay. So you learn that piece. The rest of it 
you need to learn it on your own. You have to like continue to use the tool and practice it. It doesn't matter what you take. If you're not practicing on the tool, if you're not using it, it's like an instrument or it's like, you know, yeah, what you'll lose it. You lose it. Yeah. Well, and, and, and if I remember right, like last time we talked when you were in your transition out to what you're doing now with e-learning launch, that was part of what you were doing with this was to try and create a path forward for people who were looking to get into e-learning. Right. I mean, it was to help them pragmatically step into this space. Cause to your point, if you start like I did and it's just like, go make an e-learning good luck. Yeah. <laughs> if you, if somebody watching has successfully done it, reach out to me because I'd love to know how you pulled it out. Cause I couldn't, I just, I'm like, well, I guess I can make a tutorial on like Excel. I'm like, this just isn't working. For <laughs> um, but to your other point, if you go too far and it's like build an escape room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Like that is dramatically different. And, and the, the, the learning curve on that. And sometimes you go through that process and you go, that's just too much. I mean, I remember the first time, I built my first right triggers and variables program that just was, and I ended up going down a rabbit hole that I couldn't get out. Right. Because you can lose yourself in that. So it is a journey along the way. So I think it's cool that you've been able to do that. And, you know, have you found people are finding value regardless of where they are in that journey? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially because it's, it's not the, you know, again, it's not so much the content, but it's the experience, right? So it's the fact that you're not just learning the software, but you're creating something as you go all in. And not only that you're creating something, but you're getting feedback on your creation. So it's almost like a, it's really nothing new to, to, to be honest, because it's very similar to master learning of Benjamin Bloom's master learning back in the 50s. But the idea is look, you create something, I look at it, I give you feedback on it. If you're on the right path, then you keep doing what you're doing. But if you're not in the right path, Let's correct a little bit. I'm working with you and let's make it better. And so at the end, you have a full structure of a course and you're doing this, you know, in, in, in less than four or six hours, depending okay. on, of course, how much, how much you practice. But the idea is you're able to build that first course. That doesn't mean that you're going to be an expert in the tool at, at the end of, you know, six or eight hours. Um, and it's not all in one shot. It's, it's almost like a hybrid of self-paced and one-on-one -on -one feedback, right? So okay. that's uh, that's what's working. Of course, you know, we do the cohorts and you mentioned the escape room. <laughs> I'm doing escape room right now. And one of the biggest things that people couldn't sign up for is because I said, well, you can't, you cannot come here and think beginner and you're going to be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> You've never designed an e-learning <laughs> and you're going to come out and you're going to be able to churn out escape room e-learnings. You're like running, yeah, you'll be running quick. But you know, you mentioned that, um, it's really that scaffolding structure, right? Is that the dedication that you have to have to it. You have to have that exposure over time. And the other part is um, you have to think of it. A lot of people make this mistake where they, they say, well, we just go learn PowerPoint. Go learn okay. PowerPoint. We're really good at PowerPoint. And you'll be able to do Storyline. And you'll be able to do Captivate as well. And I was like... Yeah, you may throw things on the stage, but on, on the scene, on the canvas, but there's programmatic thinking that you have to, you know, get acquainted with. And what yeah. I mean by that is you don't have to write code, but you have to think like a programmer. You, you have do. to think about clicks. You have to think about what happens next. 
what what if the user does this what if the user doesn't do that what are the loop you know if you're doing custom stuff right yeah so yeah well and i think you know what we're talking about andrew brings us up right there's a lot of cool stuff you can do yeah. with e-learning tools right especially because with tech there really aren't any rules i mean there's yeah. some but very limited and they continue to dwindle and i think um you know this is this is a thing where it's like just because something's cool doesn't necessarily make it usable now that said where i've seen this go too far is right going back to the armchair gosh their names waldorf and, yeah. and <laughs> Stat, statler right oh, is yeah. saying that right learning these cool things is bad and to me i actually encourage people from my teams and have over the years like learn how to do this stuff just like i think it's great to go learn the academic side of learning neuroscience, it's great to know that stuff. Just don't then take that and try and find a place where you can stick it anywhere you can just because you know how to do it. And I think that's some of the things that I see as people are developing these skills, it's great to learn. It's great to know how to do custom stuff and build these amazing things because you know what? When the time comes and you go, you know what? We've got this problem in front of us and I actually think the best way we can solve this is this really cool approach to thinking differently about it. That's a great way to do it versus, hey, I learned this cool thing. Now literally every every e-learning we've created now looks exactly like that. Yeah, it's like learning how to do Beyond, right? Like the explainer videos, Beyond yeah. or uh, Animaker or whatever. And now every single thing <laughs> that you get served has an anime or the hand-drawn video thing, <laughs> you know? So it's like, Okay, is there going to be anything different? Uh, <laughs> but, Which, uh, by the way, Kay, I, I, this is the thing. Going back to right, yeah. admitting we've all made these mistakes, and I'm all about like, let's yeah. just be honest, right? The first time I saw my first sketch animation video, I was like, this is amazing. And guess what happened? Pretty soon, everything was a sketch animation video until I started actually talking to my learners, and they're like, I, if I see one more of these things, <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm gonna puke. And you're like, okay, lesson learned, right? So you yeah. learn these things over time. That's like, yeah, okay. And and we make mistakes, we fail, we adapt, and things yeah. like that. But yeah, I think that's your point about the escape room thing. I think it's cool that you're you're helping people build these really cool, unique, different approaches to e-learning, so that they can, when the right opportunity presents itself. Yeah, no, it's a it's a very interesting thing, and people produce challenges all the time. Like you know, people get really excited because then when you start thinking in that way, it's almost like you're opening a new field you were not looking at, right? So it's almost like when you're in a game and uh, the old school games and the maps, the, the map is all obscured, and now you're shining a little light light on it, and now there's a new area in the map that you've discovered. So that's pretty much like the learning process in a way, right? It's like, oh, there's this new thing now. I, I see it a little different. And if you do that, then when you're practicing, just like you said, and you're practicing these things, you're not, it's not just because you're making these cool things, but you're also practicing these workflows in your head that yeah. are programmatic. They're, 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 you know, they're different workflows. And then you can modify that existing workflow to something else and get something going the same way. Just like I tell people, it's like, you know, pick a tool and learn that tool. If you're doing a learning, learn Storyline or learn Captivate. Once you learn one of them and you go to the next one, 
you're going to find very close similarities yes. to everything else, right? There's going to be a timeline. There's going to be some specific instructions, triggers, or advanced actions. There's going to be uh, some animated things, and they're going to be objects. So, and if you take it then to the next level, which will be you creating a custom coded thing, now you have all those notions in your head. They're going yeah. to be objects. They're going to be instructions. They're going to be codes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and I am curious, I actually have a funny question for you, but before I get to that, the point we're talking about, and I'm curious your take on this, because to me, the point of thinking, and I, and I think of it as systematic thinking, right? When yeah, you get into e-learning development, you have to think like a system, like where do you want things to go? What are the different paths? What are the different ways? What are the triggers? What does the user experience look like? And you have to almost step back and map that out to be able to know where you're going. And I think one of the, the mistakes I made early on is I just jumped into, right, just develop, right? You just like start developing and you start creating this without actually taking the forethought to think about, okay, how how's this all gonna fit together? And I remember one of the first courses I did when I did that, I ended up doing so much rework because as you started going through, you'd hit a wall and go, Oh, I need to, I actually needed to do this. Well, now you just created a ripple effect that blew up the whole system that you hadn't accounted for. So I'm curious on your take, you know, do you storyboard, do you recommend storyboarding things out or how do you help people think about the whole system before they just start putting pen to paper? Yeah. So uh, definitely storyboarding is very helpful and storyboarding with the visual elements is very helpful um, especially, I, I usually break down this way, like if if you're not using the player and you're doing a very custom thing, which you can still do in Storyland, right? You cut the player out, there's no menu selections, you're creating your own next and navigation buttons or whatever buttons. Okay, so you're a custom button guy. Right, right, yeah. And so <laughs> if I'm creating my own custom stuff, that's usually where I like to live, or I like to uh, be at, um, then you definitely need to storyboard the thing and you sort of create a story to it. And uh, key things for me when you're developing a learning look is a, it's still it's a delivery method and it's still the same experience as if you were face-to-face -face with someone, right? If you're doing it right, you are taking in consideration their autonomy, right? Their capability of making a choice of where they're going to go and how they're going to do things. So just because you like creating games doesn't mean that you create the game and now everybody gets a game. It should be an option. It should be an option for me to say, well, I'm going to play the game or no, I don't like games. I just like to read this PDF, right? Um, or whatever it is I can read. So have autonomy. Make sure you respect people's autonomy, respects their, respect their experience. And that means you're not locking in navigation. You're not locking things up. You know, I should be able to go whatever I need to go. If I already have experience on the topic, I don't need to see your stupid introductions and your videos. <laughs> Let me go take a look at what it's I need. Personalization, right? I mean, that's that's what we're talking about here is yeah. designing the experience to be personalized and empower the learner to make the decisions on what they need. I know. So those sometimes, and I say it like this because it needs to be set. Sometimes feel it. Sometimes when people are like, oh, I don't like what he said. But it's like you have to think of what you're doing, but sometimes you might have a bias yourself. Again, a lot of organizations I'm doing – you know what I see a lot of enterprise do as well, and the reason why we have e-learning and people do a lot of e-learning is because of compliance, right? Compliance training. Yeah, yeah. And so we tend to sort of apply that same flavor to everything else, and that's when it becomes a problem. 
because in compliance you so that's do- where e-learning is the problem right right <laughs> yeah, that, yeah that could be that could be the problem because if you're applying the compliance model to every single course you make yes. then you're going to have those things like oh no 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 you have you can't people can be jumping across we have to make sure they looked at the slide we have to make sure they looked at everything and we have to make sure that they cannot navigate and you know hit the next button until they have watched everything so now you know it's it's just like the speed limit right <laughs> well and it goes back to marsha's point earlier about managing stakeholders and again i put a lot of accountability on leaders of learning organizations on this because yeah. if if your organization is pumping out the type of e-learning that makes everybody have that visceral response you don't fire the team you fire the coach right you look right. at the coach and go well what's going on there because either the expectations that we're setting with our stakeholders the the you know way we're approaching the problems the way we're bringing this stuff in we're not doing it right then if that's if that's how that's being done and i think that's the part where we have to recognize that you know what i've seen over the years is that right our our stakeholders have a perception just like a lot of other people and so they have an idea that this is what it is and i've i've been in meetings where it's like well they have to they ha what happens if they don't watch everything on the slide who cares like why is that so help me understand why that's so important and then let's plan around that but i think to your point when we bring that compliance mindset to learning we're, we're setting ourselves up for failure oh yeah it doesn't matter how awesome you make it or like that because it's almost like if you go to if you go to Netflix and it says, well, you can't watch this awesome movie until you watch this crappy movie, you know, <laughs> so, 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 you know, it's, um, it, 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 you're an adult when you're an adult, that's the main difference, right? That's the main difference. People keep saying, oh, there's no difference between adults and kids. And I was like, no, there is a difference. The difference is autonomy. The difference is social responsibility. And the difference is the ability that when you're an adult, you're, you're more likely to refute and rebel against whoever's telling you to do something to begin with. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, it's, it's a good, it, and I think that's where we, we lose our way a little bit, right? When we're trying to force everyone through a singular path and say, well, and again, it's, it's a, it's a lack of focus on the outcomes and more of a focus on the activity, right? It's yeah. well, they have to go through, well, can they do the thing that we want them to do? If so, then, then let's not, punish them for that. That's that's yeah. not the way adults want to be treated. So I am curious on this. This is a little bit of a shift, but I'm curious your take because one of the things I'm not, this isn't necessarily a struggle for me because I'm not super detail oriented and I'm like 80-20, we're there. <laughs> get it across the finish line. But I do see people sometimes get stuck in this. I've had to coach people on this, right? Which is we can get so caught up in the details because going back to, I think, well, how did you put it, right? The artist dilemma, right? We, we get so caught up in the perfection of it. We miss the mark on the delivery of it. How have you managed that, you know, over the years of, because again, I, I, I'm a big advocate that it's like quality does matter. And I've seen where people just ship things out the door and you're like, that, okay, that is not what I'm advocating for at all. But I've also seen it on the other end where, like I said, people are spending so much time on right the, the shape of this object or making sure that this animation fades just so. And you're like, look, 
you're the only person on the planet who's ever going to notice that, I promise. So how have you managed that and how do you advise other people on it? Yeah, I usually tell people it's like, you know, you have to fight that thing that's called designer ego, which is, you know, we, we kind of mentioned it to be the art dilemma, the artist the artist dilemma, dilemma the designer ego. Yeah, We're coming up with all sorts of cool terms. I know, right? Well, designer ego is a real thing. Designer ego is like, you know, the... And it's, it's sort of like the difference of being a designer and an artist. You know, artists do things for, they might think they're doing things for everybody else, but artists is an expression. So they're you're expressing how you feel about something or your idea, right? It's not based on everybody else's needs. It's not based on solving a problem. And that's what designers comes in. But designer ego will be the thing where you're like, okay, um, I love e-learning. So e-learning is going to be a solution. And you have to realize when it is and when it's not. And in the same context, that applies to everything else you're doing with the audience. So you have to know your audience. Of course, you need analysis. All that should dictate what you're doing, not say, oh, well, this cool interaction with the game is going to be so awesome because I've never really done it before where I can have three characters stuck to each other and then we can do a conditional selection and it will be awesome. And so, yeah, you may get a few people that go, oh, that was great. But some people will be like, oh, I don't know where to click. What, what, uh, I got lost. And that creates a T-support ticket that creates a lot of issues. So how do you manage it? Um, you have to check yourself. You have to be neutral. Um, I, I've been practicing that a lot <laughs> where I step out of my role and I look at it as the worst critic. So I look at my thing as the worst critic could look at it, right? And you have to also, it's a great thing that today we're, or at least the last four or five years, we're talking so much about UX and, and UX design because that comes into play. You have to look at that spectrum of the least capable user and the most capable user and kind of, you want to hit those two needs. And I learned this one by just talking to Don Norman, basically. It was like, set a spectrum, get the needs of the least capable, get the needs of the most capable, and then everybody else in between should fall all right. But it's still not a guarantee yeah. that everybody's going to be uh, great or having a great experience. Well, and I think that's why the point you brought up earlier about personalization is so important, especially with e-learning, right? Especially with e-learning, because in the classroom or when you're doing things live, it's a little bit easier, a lot bit easier to pivot and adjust based on what's happening in the moment, right? You can read what's happening, you can adjust, you can pivot. You don't have that luxury with e-learning. So the phrase I use is when you carpet bomb the organization with one approach, you're assuming everyone will universally have the same cognitive understanding, the same like attention, the same focus, the same aesthetic thing. Like, so you're designing to try and meet everybody. And that's where it's like, no. That's you, a compliance. Yes. Compliance. That's a compliance mindset. You yeah. have to say everybody's going to go through it different. And I, and I completely agree with your point of sometimes the hardest thing is stepping back and realizing, right. You, you fall in love with your work. I've been there right? You, you design something, you're like, wow, I, I'm pretty awesome. Did you see this? Right. And, and then you get that feedback that, you know what, what you made isn't really that great, or actually it's really clunky. And I had a hard time. And the natural reaction is like, how dare you? Right. <laughs> right. But I think that is an important step is that step in humility to say, okay, well, this is my perspective. And, and maybe I even have a bias because I made it. So I'm probably even more forgiving of some of the things than 
maybe my audience would be. Yeah, I had the same. I had the same issue with um, with also you know the fact that you learn a tool and you you become good at a tool and uh, so you know I I I was using uh, I was a very big advocate of Storyline, right? I was a huge advocate of Storyline, and I should be a huge advocate of Storyline today because that's how uh, you know I. I make things in the academy and things thrive that way. But I also learned that 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 lesson as well, which is like, you know, doesn't really matter. Those tools, those apps, they still got bugs. They try to they try to respond so hard to the audience, to the LD industry, that they start losing functionality or they, you know, they're adding too much stuff and then they start breaking other things. So that happens to all of them. It happened to Captivate, it's happened to Storeline. And so the main thing you want to do is become good at one and then start diversifying and learning others. Because like I said before, once you know the one, then you start getting assimilation to the others. And, you know, in the end, the ultimate level is you being a developer, being a web developer and yeah. being able to produce these things uh, on a custom basis. Well, and I think, you know, you tell me your take on it, but the other thing that to your point, right, learn more than one thing learn others. And I think the other thing where I've seen this, this come together in a positive way is when you start incorporating elements from things other than just the tool itself. Right. right? I think that's a, that's a dangerous place to get into when you're like, okay, I'm an articulate developer. So everything I develop is purely in storyline instead of saying, well, who's to say you can't design media here and incorporate it here and bring this in again, thinking more about the user experience and saying, what is the best path to get the outcome that I'm driving towards. And again, that requires building your, diversifying your portfolio of what you know how to use. Absolutely, absolutely. So that's the key thing. I mean, if you like learning, there's no better thing to learn than, than how to deliver learning through electronic media, right? Which is yeah. e-learning. And that means that the the field only ex is continues to expand more and more. Like you know, there's AR, there's augmented reality, there's virtual reality. All right. those, all those those two require a full set of different skills and and yeah and things. And you can learn AR just by using an app like a a desktop app type of thing, or you can learn how to code and then do custom based interactions with it. But again, it goes back to the thing of Okay, this is great. Uh, you make a dragon come off the wall. Uh, when I put my phone, right? how does that have to do anything with right. for what? For what? customer service, you know. <laughs> so, yep. no. And, uh, you know, now, everything pretty much as you mentioned. I think you have to have the balance. But in the beginning of everything, again, this is just the delivery method. Yep. So, if you don't have the right analysis, if you don't have the right uh, approach to solve the business problem. It doesn't really matter what you do. Right. Well, I think, you know, in terms of wrapping up, I know you've got a hard stop. So I'm, I'm we probably could keep talking for quite oh, some time. And people are very engaged with the conversation. So thank you, everybody, for all the comments. But I think, right, some of the big things we've, we've landed on is one, right, start with the end in mind. Whether that's designing the e-learning, whether that's solving for a problem, right, start with the end in mind, not don't start from the beginning. And I think the diversification of your tech portfolio and what you do is really important because I've seen in L&D, a lot of times people have this singular view of what it means to be in L&D, right? What does that, oh, you know, it's it's e-learning. It's like, it is as wide as the ocean is deep. 
Like you can be just about anything you want to be in learning and development once you figure out what that is. And getting into e-learning opens up a ton of opportunities to your point. Software design, system architecture, like there is a ton of stuff you can do with that. So I think it's awesome. I think it's great that you've started e-learning launch to be able to help people along this journey and guide them. And um, I appreciate you know, having you in my network and I appreciate you being here. It's been great to reconnect and uh, talk and uh, I hope everyone else enjoyed it as much as I did. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, awesome. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't able to see the comments, but I'm pretty sure it's, it's blowing up, hopefully. <laughs> well, well, you can go back and watch the live replay. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, thanks for being here. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your Tuesday and a wonderful rest of your week. I will be back here on Friday and we'll be talking about coaching to human skills. So I will be with Tyler from Lingo Live, but thank you, Alexander, for joining me. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Thank you, Christopher. Thank you all.